Hey guys, welcome to the happy hour. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? I'm coming at you real and unfiltered to talk about self-care, mental health, and life. This podcast is designed to encourage, educate, and uplift each person that listens. I'm coming from both a clinical standpoint and a personal point of view to discuss various matters. The happy hour is here to let each listener know that no matter what you may be going through, you can turn your obstacles into triumphs. So go ahead and like, share, subscribe, follow, do all those great things, but just make sure you also listen. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Happy Hour today. Today we're going to be talking about the Mean Girl Syndrome. And we're featuring Dr. Nicole Alfred, aka The Good Dr. Nick. She's a licensed psychologist, a mental health and social issues commentator. She's a speaker and an advocate. She travels the country answering the tough questions about the crisis on mental illness, inequities in mental health care, and balance of fame and loss of identity. So welcome, Dr. Nick. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I'm happy to have you. I know I gave just like a little short bio on you, but what do you want us to let us know about you today? So basically, I want you all to know that you are speaking to someone who, first of all, is an African-American woman, uh, is a clinical psychologist. Um, I have gone through life as many of us have. And so um, what I do, particularly in my psychotherapy, my practice uh, focuses uh, primarily on women and couples. But what I like to do is to use myself and to use my experiences that I've gone through to help inform my therapy. So when you uh, get me in psychotherapy, when you come into my office and lay on my proverbial couch, you're getting someone who isn't afraid to use her as a tool in psychotherapy to help move people forward. Awesome, and so where do you practice that? So my practice is in Bowie, Maryland. Okay. And how long have you been in private practice? I have been in private practice for about three years, but I have been uh, practicing as a clinical psychologist and, you know, in, in, in various uh, iterations for, for 22 years. And so I'm a former CIA officer, former operational psychologist for the CIA, and I've been in the intelligence community since before 9-11. So, you know, seen a lot, done a lot, traveled the entire world. And, and again, so just using, you know, all of the wealth of experiences that I've had uh, to help inform uh, my practice okay um and so what made you get into becoming a speaker and an advocate for mental health and social issues and things like that you know our community uh certainly needs it you know i am from new york city um i grew up in brooklyn new york i grew up poor uh in you know urban uh inner city environment um and certainly just 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 seeing uh that um, the the sites and just sort of the 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 lifestyle that many uh, people were leading and were living, and then fast forward to today and seeing um, you know us in many respects having having taken some steps backwards in terms of the progress that we as African Americans have made in this country, um, you know seeing the police shootings, the police killings, the police brutality, um, you know seeing the proliferation of, of of you know white supremacy and those types. Of, of negative and violent acts, the discrimination, 
the Me Too movement, just having, you know, seen and lived and experienced, you know, you know, so many different things. That is what propelled me when I left the CIA to say, you know, when I got to get in the game, I can't just, you know, talk the talk. I got to walk the walk. I have to, you know, sort of use this science of psychology to help my community. And so that that's really what what helped me to get started. And so that, that's pretty cool. You said you worked for the CIA. What did you do? Well, I know you said what you did, but explain it a little bit more. Yeah, so 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 what I can tell you, <laughs> Ashley, because obviously, as you know, not really too much I can say, but but really what yeah. I did as a psychologist was was to um, certainly use um, the entire science of psychology in terms of understanding behavior, motivating, uh, changing behavior, um, and seeding that into you know U.S. intelligence. Um, collection and dissemination and and really national security efforts so what did I do I helped to keep us safe that's what that's what I did okay well that's pretty cool yeah it was cool it was absolutely cool I got to see much of the of the world uh, and I'm so grateful to have had that experience awesome so what do you do um, what kind of speaking do you do speaking engagements do you do or so as a you know as a keynote speaker and again as someone who who has just had a wealth of of experiences, um, I focus on a number of different uh, topic areas and really it's dependent upon the audience, right? And so I go into corporations sometimes that are doing uh, diversity trainings and dealing with uh, you know sort of cultural issues in the workplace. I can go to to, to churches and do uh, you know women's conferences and women's events uh, and speak about you know self care and wellness. Um, and then of course I, I host my own events right and I uh, and those are for women and those are for women who are looking to you know to really understand uh, some of the choices that they've made who really are looking to move forward and have found themselves stuck and are trying to get unstuck and so you know any number of issues I would say um, are typically the ones that I that I speak about okay pretty cool um and then tell me about uh tell me about what the Me Too movement means to you you know, I have it so, and I know that that's what we're going to be talking about, Mean Girls. So, so the Me Too movement uh, means to me, you know, it is, uh, of course, an opportunity for women to not only tell their stories, not only own their truths, um, and to come out of hiding, right? Because so much about the Me Too movement it was really about the fact that women were being, um, you know, assaulted, harassed. Um, you know, sometimes in very covert ways and they, and they couldn't be open about that. There was fear attached to that. But for me, and to link this to our conversation today, the, the, the Me Too movement looks like we as women supporting uh, each other, um, lifting each other up and really understanding that for any woman to come out and say, this is what occurred to me by this man in power, that's that's really a difficult place to be in, right? That's a real tenuous situation for any sister to find herself in. And so it looks like being supportive. It looks like being collaborative. It looks like, you know, you know, you know, lifting somebody up and allowing them to, you know, to stand on your shoulders. Do you know what I mean? That, that's what it means to me. Awesome. I definitely agree with you. Um, just with the fact that there are a lot of things. I was in the military. And so in the military, like you couldn't really tell somebody that you were being sexually harassed or, 
or this because they would always assume like either you know you brought it on yourself or you know it wasn't you were lying or just things like that so just um having this movement you know happen is really awesome i like it a lot it is awesome. It's awesome. I think the time, you know, I think the time is now. I think it's the right time for the movement. I think, you know, it's the time uh, politically in terms of our government, uh, in terms of our community. You know, it just has given a lot of, um, I think, momentum and a voice to many of us who have who have found that we have needed to remain silent. Right. You know, there are so many women, for example, I, you know, I look at my own childhood and, and like I told you, I grew up poor. And so my mother at times worked two or maybe even three jobs, you know, to pay the rent, to put food on the table, to make sure my brother and I had what we needed. But, I, but I know that if she were being harassed, would she have been able to say something? Mm, I don't know why, because she needed her job because yep. she had a family to support. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so, yeah, it's a real personal thing for me. It really is. Gotcha. No, I definitely understand that. So I know um, we said we're talking about the mean girl syndrome. Tell me what that means to you. What's the mean girls epidemic? So the mean girl, girl epidemic, it looks like, um, it, it looks like being that chick who is, who is anti other chicks. And really what the underlying issue is, 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 is feeling threatened and, um, and feeling like one can't compete and that, you know, and that these other women just are, you know, the competition is just so, you know, so steep that I got to take these other sisters out. You know, it looks like moving against other women, uh, sometimes in an aggressive way, but a lot of times in real covert ways, right? It looks like betrayal. It looks like gossiping. Yeah, it looks like sleeping with somebody else's man or somebody else's husband. Because you know what, we're, we we are we are doing that to another sister, right? Um, it looks like enticing other sisters to align with you against another woman. Um, at a, at its basic core, it looks like bullying, right? If we go to any elementary school or any junior high school, any high school, it looks like bullying. It literally looks like the movie Mean Girls. That's that's what it looks like at its yeah, core. I was thinking about that when I saw the topic. I was like, oh yeah. Just even so, like I've seen different little memes where it says like, you know, uh, you don't have to, you can fix another woman's crown. It doesn't knock off your crown or whatever. So I, exactly. I agree. Like, you know, we're, we're so caught up, especially like, you know, growing up in high school. And so I'm light skinned with, you know, pretty hair, if you want to say that. And so I got picked on all the time because, you know, I don't know if it was jealousy or what. Like my mom got picked on. People tried to cut her hair. And just thinking about that. So when you think about, you know, once I got in the military, um, just things would be like, you know, the, the higher NCOs or stuff might say, oh, because I got promoted really quickly. Oh, she got promoted because she's sleeping with somebody or just things like that. Instead of just saying, you know, congratulations. I'm proud of you. Good job. Um, and just instead of trying to knock somebody else down, there's I'm pretty sure there's a trillion, billion, million other podcasters out there. And then I'm a clinician as well. There's a trillion, billion other clinicians out there that probably specialize in what I specialize. There's other podcasts that probably talk about what I talk about. But why does one person have to knock the other person off? Why can't we all just win? And it's funny that you mentioned the workplace because here's what it also looks like. And I'm sure you've heard of this, Ashley, or or hopefully, I hope you never felt that you needed to say this, but have you ever heard somebody say, or even have you ever said to yourself, because I've, I've said this, I have said this statement that I'm about to say to you. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'll never work for a black woman again, or, or I'll never work for a woman again? I've heard people say that. And I've thought that, that to myself, why? Because it just seems like we as women inherently, 
right? Inherently just feel so threatened when another double X, you know, another, you know, woman comes along and, you know, and, and, and maybe is a little prettier or is a little brighter or is a little younger. We just kind of feel like, you know what, there's not room for the both of us. One of us has got to go. No, it's, I, it's, it's a sad dynamic. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just a sad dynamic. Um, and so again, I for, you know for me for me, I I came up with this topic. I did some some Facebook lives um, about this topic, and I actually spoke on on several radio shows about this topic back in March when it was Women's History Month because to me. You know, we're celebrating women. We're celebrating all of our, you know, the, our beauty, our contributions to the history of the United States, our contributions to our communities, our contributions as African-Americans. But to me, the conversation was very incomplete. And so that's why I came up with this topic in March. I said to myself, you know, we can't have a conversation. We can't have a dialogue about Women's History Month and celebrate all the good about women unless we celebrate all of what it means to be a woman. And, and, and there's a part of us that really has this jealousy, envious kind of a core that we feel like, you know, as you said, I saw that meme too. We feel like somehow, you know, we, we, you, we got to knock somebody else's crown or make their crown crooked on their head in order to, in order to lift our, our crown a little higher. It's just a dynamic that if you, you know, sort of look at it psychologically, you know, you know, what is it about? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's like that kind of thing, like, you know, crabs in a barrel type thing where instead of like hoping, and I think, I think, I, I'm, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think it, they said it was female crabs that did it because male crabs didn't, would knock each other over and step on each other's head to get out. Whereas the opposite sex would, you know, help each other get out. So it's just like, why, you know, it's enough, it's enough money out here for us to all get, it's enough jobs out here for us to all get. I mean, we can all do this together, but a lot of times people, you know, won't, won't want to help uh, the other person. I mean, um, I, I have a lot of different backgrounds of things that I've done. And um, just in one of the career choices I had, um, I had somebody basically like stab me in the back because she wanted to excel and she didn't want me to excel. So it's just like, why does this have to happen? And um, I know some of the things that you wanted to talk about were um, feelings of inadequacy. So I wonder if that has to do with like, you know, people being mean girls and not wanting anybody else to win because they, they, they might feel inadequate about what they are able to possess or contribute. Oh, I think that's at the core. I think the insecurity, I think the self-esteem issues, I think um, the feelings of inadequacy is absolutely at the core um, of this dynamic. For example, let's just take the example. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it or we've heard it in a song or, you know, hopefully we don't know anybody that's living this way, but we may have heard somewhere, pe you know, people sometimes say, oh, um, I, I, I can take her man. If she messes, remember there was, a, there's an old rap song that says, you mess, you mess with me, I'll take your man. It's an old rap lyric. Mm -hmm. I think Roxanne, Roxanne, I think that's the rap song. And so at the core, of, of me, of my attempt to take somebody's man, if you believe that that can be done in the first place anyway, is really sort of me testing myself and asking myself and feeling good about myself that I can actually accomplish that goal. Do you see what I'm saying? So I, I think that, I think that feelings of insecurity and feeling threatened is 
absolutely at the core of this dynamic. I, in fact, I think it's it's what it's all about. It, you know, if you if you think about it sort of from a, uh, an evolutionary perspective, um, you know, you know, if, if you believe in that theory um, of of you know the cavemen and the cave women, it you know it it it, it is you you have to you have to move against that person because why? Because because you 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 have to you have to get that man in order for survival of the species, right? In order for for your for your line to continue and so it, it just kind of sets up this inherent kind of competition that that i think we we somehow feel that we just have to take each other out yeah. and a lot of times it, it happens to be over men and if it's not over men it's over as you said it was was your experience a job a position a promotion we feel that if we don't do away with this other person we will not get that which we hope to achieve and so we literally just move against them or just straight take them out in the you know in the workplace it looks like gaslighting it looks like blowing up somebody's career so we were talking about feelings of inadequacies yes and i was telling you that i absolutely think that this is at the core um at the core of of this issue of being a mean girl mm-hmm. so what do you think magnifies the insecurities I think in our community, unfortunately, I think there is a perceived and probably a real um, lack of availability of, of black men who are eligible, who are m- marriageable, if that's a word, you know, marriage type. Um, you know, of, of course, as we know, we, there is a very high percentage of, of uh, marriage age African-American men that are imprisoned. Right. And so they are not available for us. I, I really do believe that there is this uh, sort of this perceived notion um, of competition for men. And I think that is a lot of it. I think competition is also at the core of this dynamic. I think, uh, you know, competition for for power, for money, which jobs mean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, for, for men, right? For those things that society tells us, you must have these things in order to uh, in order to quote unquote make it, you have to have these things, and so I think that that's really at the core. Okay, and so do you think that causes us to try to take out the competition or try to one up, as you would say, the competition to try to make ourselves look better or to be ahead of the other person with this mean girl syndrome? I think it. Pl- I think it plants the seed, right? I think that. Um, and insecurity certainly plants the seed, right? I think so. For example, remember the remember the uh, Olympic skater um, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, and remember Tanya Harding was somebody who was a pretty good skater. She wasn't number one, but she was pretty darn good. Maybe number two, maybe number three um, in the world. And, and but she was so threatened by this Nancy Kerrigan, who in her mind was, you know, the, the pretty suburban girl who grew up rich, who had it all, who the media is fawning over. And so this woman, so so the story goes, right, paid her husband and some other people to take this to take Nancy Kerrigan out to injure her so she couldn't skate in the Olympics. Right. We all know that story. And so, yeah, I think I think for some people who are emotionally weak 
and fragile and see no other way, maybe even psychopathic, and they see no other way, oh yeah, they'll, they'll move against other people, even in an aggressive way, absolutely. Yeah, even like when you think about, you know, hip hop or wanna be hip hop right now, because nothing's really hip hop anymore. But right. you look at you look at first it started with saying like, Oh, you know, Nicki Minaj was trying to be like Lil Kim and then, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then here comes Cardi and people like, Oh, she's trying to jock Cardi's style or whatever. Like, why can't we all win? They all have different styles. They all they all rap differently. They all have different things to say. Like what why why can't they all be on top? Like or, you know, just all those things. Exactly. Why can't why exactly why why can't we all why can't we all be on top together? Why can't we you know? And then and so exactly exactly. And then so when when you brought up the Cardi B um, example, I'm also reminded of you know people like um, you know Patti LaBelle and you know and other and other entertainers who have these historic feuds with other female entertainers that the media grabs a hold of and of course right because this sells stories it sells newspapers it's you know it sells mm -hmm. so then you have the media setting up dynamics of, of of women and pitting women against women and then you have a Nicki Minaj and a Cardi B going blow to blow and toe to toe right at the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art like who does that yeah the media is very guilty and, and we are guilty as consumers of the media right mm -hmm. because because if we weren't paying any attention to it they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't do it right they wouldn't be selling these stories or getting the airtime or the radio time or whatever it is and so yes we 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 as a society feed into it we feed into this idea that women must be against other women and that that groups of women always have drama mm -hmm. and and this diva notion we we play into that definitely and it, and and i can definitely see how it's related to like the the movie the mean girls like the new girl was there and then people thought she was cute and then you get mad and you try to do whatever you can to take her out like it's definitely i can definitely see that perspective um, I know you also wanted to talk about shaming one another or isolating one another. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, so similarly to how it happened in the movie, right? So we all, most of us, many of us have seen Mean Girls, you know, and and so that's what we do. We, you know, we we entice other women. Well, we get our group of, of girls, or our group of chicks, you know, our road dogs, um, and because we might have an issue. Um, that if we chose to settle it as adults, we could, but because we have an issue or we have a beef or we, we have some type of an art with another woman, we entice these other people to align with us, um, in this beef. And then it's us against this other woman. And then she's sort of the lone, you know, she's sort of the lone wolf. She's sort of the, you know, the isolated kind of target. And then that's how bullying campaigns occur, right? That's how, that's how, you know, bu bullies are bullies because they typically have um, a group of people that also allow the, the, uh, the bullying to, to Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Happy Hour today. Don't forget to subscribe, write me a review, and go follow me on my social media handles. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Happy Hour. Okay, 
so so we were talking about um you know shaming and isolation and so really how that happens is you 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 know you have someone who has maybe an issue with another woman or you know a beef or some type of an art with another woman and then and then what occurs is that that person entices other women to join in on this uh, issue this art to side with her um and then it you know sort of sets up a, a, a dynamic where it's that group of women against that isolated target that isolated lone wolf um who is by herself um there's power in numbers right and a lot of times that's how bullying occurs you know bullying occurs because the bully entices other people who will uh who will go along with that campaign and who will perpetuate the bullying and so and so i think that's how people get isolated um i, I think in adulthood it looks like you know someone who just comes to work every day and they don't want to deal with the drama they don't you know they may know that they have a you know some type of an issue with someone in the workplace and and maybe that woman has enticed other women in the workplace to be against that person but that person just doesn't even want to deal with that that person just wants to come to work and go home and so she's isolated and she doesn't have a tribe and she doesn't have anyone who's go- going to allow with her uh, you know align with her and so that that's really how it happens how important do you think a tribe is i like that you said that Oh my gosh, tribes are super important. First of all, first of all, you know, we are communal pe- people. We just are. We are communal people. Um we 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 know that there's strength in numbers. Um we know that to na- navigate life and to do it successfully, it is never done alone. No man or no woman is an island. So it is super important to have a tribe, right? To have people who who have your back, who know who you are in the universe, who accept you for all of you and all of your flaws and faults fundamentally that is so important and when you don't have that Ashley not only are you isolated you're at you you have a higher risk uh, of depression you have a higher probability of being anxious um we know that people who oftentimes people who suicide um successfully um are isolated and alone uh, and don't have tribes of people it is rare that you see Uh, someone who has committed suicide that has had a whole tribe of people that really got them and understood them and they felt comfortable being themselves around. So, I can't tell enough the importance of having a tribe. And and I think that's why this dialogue and I'm so grateful you're allowing us that, to have this conversation openly. I think that's why it's so important. I definitely agree with you. Um just how you have to end the stigma with mental health or just anything like that. I think you have to end like sometimes people don't recognize that maybe they're, you know, being a part of this mean girl syndrome or things like that. So I think it's important to recognize. So what do you recommend in order to um get through the mean girl syndrome? Well, I you know, I'm going to give you some tips for for both sides of the coin, right? I'll give you some tips for if you are a mean girl, and then I'll give you some some tips for if you, you know, kind of feel like you're being um targeted, you know, you, you're the subject of mean girlism and that kind of hateration. So the first thing I think that all we all of us as women need to ask ourselves um is 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 am I that? Am I a mean girl? Right? And I think that's a serious conversation that and and I think if we're honest with with ourselves and honest with each other, then we'd have to say yes, either now or at some point in my life I have interacted with 
moved against, um, aggressed against, um, insulted against another woman um, to to to, to one up myself, to make myself feel better. I've done that. So I right. So I think that's the first question we have to ask ourselves: is you know, am I that? And then I think once you ask yourself that question, you have to go, you have to dig a little bit deeper, right? So I'm a psychologist. So I'm always about unpeeling the layers and taking off the mask. And so I think you go a little bit deeper and you say, okay, so let me kind of play around with this in my head a little bit. Why, you know, why am I that mean girl? What is it about other women that is so difficult for me to tolerate? Um, why, you know, why, why do I act like this towards other women? Um, why do I not like that sister? A lot of times, um, Ashley, when we identify a person and we say, oh, I don't like her. Oh, I can't stand her. You know what it is? It's something about that sister that either we aspire to, we want, and we can't have, or it's something that that sister has that reminds us of us. And so a lot of times it's just, you know, our hateration is just a total projection, right? It's a projection of our issues onto the other person. So I think to answer your question fully, I think we have to just be willing to do some therapeutic work within ourselves, right? And if you have a therapist, that's butter. But if you don't have a therapist, you can ask yourself these questions. Honestly, you can journal the answers. You can write down the answers. Um, I have, in fact, I have a... I have a work guide, a workbook guide on my website that will teach you how to begin to peel, successively peel back layers. Um, And so I think that's work that we can do um, on our own. Now let's flip the coin. For that woman who is being a target um, of bullying, well, first of all, I would say, um, you know, silence equals death. Right. I mean, it it just really does. And so I think you can't remain silent about it. And so I think if it's in the workplace then I think you have to um, you have to initiate um, and enact all of those, you know, your um, your your EEO, your human resources office, your all of those offices and all of those resources in your workplace that are available to you if you're being aggressed against harassed. Bully, workplace bullying is now a thing that agencies have come out with policies against. The federal government has, state governments have, and private companies have. So I think you have to say something. Why? Because I think silence equals death. Um, And I think the silence is what keeps you alone. Um, And I think you also um, have to know that you are not alone, that other people are being bullied. I guarantee you, if, if you're being aggressed against by, you know, one person or a group of women um, in your workplace, you, you're probably not the first, probably not the only one that that's occurred to. Um, and so, and so I want to empower you to take the power back and to do something about that, to not just suffer in silence. Uh, so that, that's what I would say, Ashley. Okay. Well, those are all great recommendations and tips for us to use you know whether you're coming from the side where you are the mean girl or whether you're the the opposite side that's you know dealing with the mean girl I think those are all great tips and things like that um like I said I think the mean girl syndrome is definitely real and I definitely think it's something that needs to be looked at and and worked through and and like why can't we all just win like I feel like it's enough everything enough money enough careers enough everything for us all to win if we don't have to knock each other down in the process in order just to win um, agreed agreed 
yeah I, I definitely think that you know just being open and being being you know honest about how you feel not being a part of the problem you know helping to you know help the problem versus hurt the problem like just moving on in a good space in a good place we all can win I definitely agree we all can win and and is and there's nothing wrong with us all winning right and I'm and I think that you know and I think the top doesn't necessarily have to be a point or a pinnacle that only one person can sit on as you said I think we all can win um, and I think we're all in this together and I think there's strength in numbers right and I think you know and I think after we resolve this this issue or at least begin to resolve it in our community then we can collectively um, and together begin to address some of the other ills and some of the other um, isms uh, that our community is dealing with for sure for sure well yeah Dr. Nick was there anything else you wanted to talk about in regards to the, the mean girl syndrome no, I don't. I don't think so, um, Ashley. But if I can, I would love to um, to just tell your audience a little bit about uh, how they can follow me. Yes, um, and, that, for sure. Uh, thank you, thank you, and how they can find me. And so again, my practice is uh, is in Bowie, Maryland, uh, and my website is www um, and so it's doctor is dr no period nik so it's the com, and then of course you can follow me across all social media platforms at the good doctor dr nick nik awesome 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 so you guys again she said you can follow her all across everything at the good doctor nick including her website um, anybody that's out there in Bowie Maryland if you're looking for uh, someone to talk to she sounds like a good option for you um, well, Dr. Nick, I, I'm so grateful that you, you had this amazing topic to share with Happy Hour today. Um, I appreciate you coming on and your willingness to be open and honest about everything. Um, and I just thank you for this time that you spent with the Happy Hour today. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Happy Hour. Peace out. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Happy Hour. Be sure to go follow me on Facebook at Therapy with Ashley. You can check out my IG at Happy Hour with Ashley, or you can even check out my website, www.ashleyjohnsoncounseling.com. Thanks for joining the Happy Hour. If you want to be a supporter of this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes, click the link under the details or go to anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. And once you're there, you can choose to become a supporter with 99 cent a month, $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. Again, thank you for joining happy hour. Remember to like, share, subscribe and make sure you listen.